Welcome to episode 134 of the GTON 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic, and I want to talk about a startup called Airvine. And I actually really spoke with the company to talk about their technology, but they've they've made their big splash announcement. They're focused on a wireless backhaul solution for indoor deployments. And so I'd like to spend some time on why I think it's unique. So in talking to the company, they're leveraging the 60 gigahertz millimeter wave unlicensed spectrum to basically create a backhaul solution for indoors. And what's really cool they have beam steering technology, and it basically employs two different radios, one in and one out. And what they can do is they can actually use beamforming to shoot around corners. That's one of the contentions within indoor environments. And where I think this is really going to be impactful is in private wireless deployments, because if you think about backhaul, it's typically fiber or CAT6. And so this solution utilizes millimeter wave for backhaul. And I think that is going to be really compelling. It's going to untether things. And I think it's really going to help with the, with the private wireless deployments. And I'm not sure if you've seen this or if you heard the news, but they are a startup. They're going to be at Mobile World Congress. I do plan to meet with them, but would love to get your insights. Yeah. So it sounds like the product itself is called Air Tunnel or Wave Tunnel. Yeah. And I do think it's really interesting because it is indoor wireless backbone. I think it could work really well in places where maybe the structure may be a little bit older and you're looking for a way that may be concrete and you might be looking for a way to get infrastructure into a building and work it through the building without it necessarily requiring you to drill through concrete. So I think there are definitely some applications for this. I didn't see what the max throughput would be, but it sounds like they say it goes through walls and around corners. Yeah. And it's non-line of sight. So it's definitely a little bit more interesting than what I've heard before, but it sounds like it's a hardware and software solution. It is. And I think it's, again, it's going to be pretty impactful for private wireless deployments. And I asked executives, we had a call last week and I asked them, I go, is anyone else doing this? And their answer was no, we believe we're the first. That was actually stated in, a, in an article that was published this week. I believe it was from Fierce Wireless or Telecom as well. To your point, not a lot of VIX on throughput and performance and that sort of thing. But obviously, if it's millimeter wave, if it's backhaul, it's going to support a pretty beefy wireless pipe. Yeah, so I'll be learning more. In fact, I think you and I at the end of this podcast will be talking about what we plan to do at Mobile World Congress. But Let's move to your first topic. Earlier this week, you talked about Qualcomm and X35, and you were briefed under embargo, as, as was I, around their X75, and you want to talk a little bit about that. Yes, I have a visual aid. So we've got a Snapdragon logo here, and on the other side is the Snapdragon X75 modem with a diagram of the converged millimeter wave sub-6 and millimeter wave millimeter wave sub-6 transceiver and what's supposed to be the RF front end. I'll move it a little closer to the camera so you can see. But yeah, it's a modem. It's a discrete modem. It will be the flagship modem that Qualcomm has. It will be technically announced now, but there will be demonstrations of it at MWC. And it's a thin modem, so this is going to be probably in the next iPhone as well, if Apple so chooses to go with the latest Snapdragon, which 
Lately, they have been, and it'll probably end up in the latest smartphones as well. But the real details here are in my Forbes article. I wrote an article that actually published today. The announcement was yesterday, and we record this on Thursdays usually. So if this publishes on Friday, know that. But basically, the X75 is top of the line for Qualcomm. The big deal here is they've increased their AI performance by two and a half X inside the modem. That's hmm. not on the phone. That's not an SOC inside the 5G modem. Now to 10 component carrier millimeter wave instead of eight. Uh, they now do five component carrier in mid-band instead of four. So they've increased the throughput. They also added uplink MIMO, which means you get uplink carrier and you get about 50% uplift on uplink. And if you improve up uplink performance, that means you reduce battery consumption and you improve coverage. <clears throat> and then on top of all that, it's a release 17 modem that's release 18 ready, which means that Qualcomm believes that its capabilities will align with where the release 18 standard will finalize. Since yeah. release 18 has not actually been standardized yet, there isn't a freeze, a complete freeze of the spec yet. Like with 17, we got last year, but it will be fairly soon. But realistically, I don't think you're going to see release 18 be a thing until 2025 or 2026. So this is very much a long tail modem that yeah. I think is actually a good thing if it really does land as a release 18 modem, because yeah. that will enable a lot of companies that are looking long-term for 5G to build something today with that modem and be able to continue to use that modem for a very long time. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't use other modems and continue to build. Some of the people who built with the X50, for example, which was Qualcomm's first 5G modem, they're not gonna have standalone and they were only gonna do millimeter waves. I think having a modem that's gonna do release 18 is very interesting because release 18 is also known as 5G advanced, which right. is technically 5.5G. So it's already like that midpoint between 5G and 6G. And I think it will help companies take advantage of a lot of the future opportunities that 5G will pr provide. Other than that, they didn't really talk about process node, which I thought was a little interesting, but mm -hmm. we could assume it's a four nanometer again. Yeah. And they didn't really talk about throughput. I didn't see any throughput numbers anywhere, but I'm going to assume the throughput is probably still capped at probably around 10 gigabits per second. However, I have a strong feeling that real world performance is probably going to increase quite a bit just because you have more access to more spectrum and some qualm numbers have gone up and yeah. You have uplink MIMO. So I think overall, this will still be a net positive for smartphone users. And I think this could also find its way into other devices. That said, I don't think the X75 will necessarily be in as broad of categories as the X35 we talked about last week. And my article on Forbes kind of covers the X35 and the X75 together because I think together it creates a much more coherent vision for what Qualcomm's trying to do on the modem side and how they're trying to address the market. Yeah, no, I love the investment protection aspect of it. I'm wondering if it's if it's going to be firmware upgradable or if they're just getting ahead of the specs, like with the additional capabilities that you spoke you, to. But I think um, it will be firmware upgradable. Yeah. But you did remind me of one thing. The converged transceiver is very interesting. They didn't include it here. You can see it's actually just printed out on the thing. It's not an actual chip. But what's interesting about the convert, conserve, converged transceiver is that it now reduces the need to have two transceivers, one for sub six and one for millimeter wave, and it does one for both. And 
that is an interesting thing because it will make millimeter wave easier to deploy because one takes up less PCB space mm -hmm. on the board. They say 25% reduction. And it also helps save power because you no longer have to light up two transceivers simultaneously. You can just yeah. light up one transceiver. And obviously there's also a new millimeter wave module, a fifth gen millimeter wave mo module for this whole system. So we can probably expect higher performance millimeter wave, smaller size modules, maybe even lower power. That's the trend that Qualcomm has been going towards with these millimeter wave modules. I forget the name of it. It's a QTM five something, but yeah, that's the X75 announcement. Good stuff, man. And for our viewers and listeners, if you want to read that article that Anshul just posted to Forbes, go hit his Twitter feed at Anshul Sag. Let's go to my second topic this week. And I want to talk about a company, Cohere Technologies. And they've been signing up partnerships left and right. There was an announcement with Mavenir this week. They had signed an agreement with Vodafone last year. So what's special about these guys? I've spent time with their senior vice president, Ronnie. He's a, he heads up marketing and sales. They have a really interesting technology. They call it the Universal Spectrum Multiplier or USM. And what it basically does, it claims to be able to double both 4G and 5G spectrum performance. And that is huge. When you look at how expensive spectrum is, you've got carrier aggregation going on. You've got multiple ways to try to squeeze as much coverage and performance out of that, that spectrum. That's that very valuable asset that is spent billions of euros and billions of dollars on. So I think Cohere Technologies is a company to keep a close watch on. And I will also be spending time with Cohere at Mobile World Congress, and I'll probably have more to share after the event. But what are your thoughts about the spectrum multiplier technology? I think I need to look more into it, but it, it sounds very compelling yeah. uh, just because spectrum is always a constraint. And I think obviously there are certain countries that are more spectrum constrained than others. And I think Europe is probably one of those markets where they could be very successful. But yeah, I definitely would like to learn more about the technology itself. And I might even join your MWC yeah. checking out what they've got to have. You bet. So a little shout out to Ronnie there. Ronnie, we'll see you here in a week or so. But let, hey, my friend, let's go to your second topic. You want to talk about the iPhone and it's getting 5G standalone support, right? Yeah. In one of the developer betas of iOS 16.4, there is going to be an option to enable 5G standalone. What's interesting is that this is hidden in the settings and it's in the cellular settings and it, the toggle is only going to be available for T-Mobile users, which makes sense because T-Mobile is the only network today that mm -hmm. has... 5G standalone enabled across its network. They currently have it in the low band and they're literally in, in the process of deploying it in the mid band. And I have a strong feeling that my network outage upgrade that happened yesterday was probably one of those. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is T-Mobile is talking about how this new standalone network on iPhones could deliver up to three gigabits per second across oh. all the spectrum that they have. And if you had told me that two years ago, I would say you're crazy. Yeah. But as somebody who actively run speed tests on all three carriers on a regular basis. Without standalone, I was already getting 1.5 gigabits per second on T-Mobile. Yeah. And that was without C-band and without some of the other spectrum that they deployed. So I actually think three gigabits per second is actually within reach without mm -hmm. millimeter wave, which is astounding. Yeah. Um, when I first read this article, I didn't really understand why they were saying three gigabits per second could be coming as soon as possible on iOS 16.4. And then I realized they were talking just on T-Mobile because I have an iPhone 14 on Verizon and it does four gigabits per second on millimeter wave. But it's really interesting because 
they're talking about aggregating two 2.5 gigahertz bands plus 1900 megahertz and they're not even talking about 3.7 so yep. it's really interesting and standalone is not really about speeds honestly but it's going to enable higher speeds just because there's a lot more to, to put together in terms of spectrum um, and the device will be able to enable it. I think there's a little bit of a confusion here from this nine to five Mac article I'm reading because they seem to be uh, conflating standalone with higher speeds, even though those speeds could totally be accomplished on NSA as well. Sure. But I say we'll have better coverage and uh, I'm really hoping to see how this translates to on network slicing and because Apple is adopting this, I think that really bodes well for standalone applications because iOS and iPhones are just a really huge user base. Yeah. If operators are able to say that Samsung and Apple both have standalone enabled on their network, that's probably the majority of their users across those two OEM. I think that's actually the big story here, um, but it's very exciting. This is 16.4 beta, so it's not a commercial release yet. But these betas usually release in the next few weeks after they after their beta. So we could yep. see this in the next month or two after MWC. It's exciting to see the devices now catch up with what T-Mobile has done from a leadership position and deploying SA. And uh, yeah, you and I have talked about this many times. Standalone is going to unlock the true promise of 5G. It's not necessarily equating to faster speeds, but it's been able to do things like network slicing that are going to open up a host of new use cases and monetization opportunities for the mobile network operator. But with that, let's go to my third and final topic. And I want to talk about 6G and hopefully we can wait several years for we, before we have to rename or rebrand our podcast. But I was just thinking uh, about that. Yeah, but I want to talk about Nokia and NB. And they've both achieved two technical advances on the path to 6G. And as I read this article, and it was a light reading article, it made me wonder, Will the future of mobile networking become aware? And it reminds me of Skynet and Terminator. I'm a total science fiction geek, but let me share the details. This broke, this news broke just earlier this week. And the two milestones that they announced, one was the first implementation of AI and machine learning into the radio air interface, which effectively gives 6G radios the ability to learn. Chew on that for a minute. And then the second is utilization of sub-terahertz spectrum to boost network capacity. It's 6G is all a speculation. You and I have speculated that it's going to be terahertz spectrum. But here, the second sort of POC was around utilizing sub-terahertz to boost network capacity. And that makes sense theoretically at a high level, but I don't know if you caught the news, but what do you think about all this? I think some of the things that I've seen, some of those demos that I've got pre-briefed for MWC. I'm trying to dance around my embargo NDAs, but Be careful. all I'm going to say is that AI accelerated networks and AI accelerated devices working with AI accelerated networks are going to be a thing, uh, whether that's in 5G or in 6G. And I think that we are going to see a lot more intelligence built in on both ends to maximize performance and battery life. Yeah. to enable some of these terahertz and sub-terahertz applications. I will say that I think if you think millimeter waves propagation is bad, wait till you see terahertz. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's going to be an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. I think there's many years of research that need to occur, both trial and error, to make terahertz a viable band of spectrum 
Yeah. And that introduces a whole different type of antenna that you would need to include on the smartphone, which would then, you know, in- introduce an entirely new bomb problem. So I think we're very much, I believe that 6G will probably be in the 7 to 12 gigahertz range. Yeah. And we will see maybe in the sub terahertz range or even terahertz range. Yeah. But it'll be really interesting to see how 6G pans out. That said, to your point, I've also been thinking about when we need to rename this podcast and hopefully it won't be anytime soon. But yeah, I think it's really interesting and I don't think it hurts to talk about 6G and think about it. Uh, we're probably seven years away from it actually launching and we probably shouldn't really be talking about it in a meaningful manner for another four or five years because most of it will be just pie in the sky like it is right now. But yeah, there's lots of research going on and you know I think 6G is probably going to be the next battleground for a lot of different industries. 6G was was a very heated one. We saw Apple and Intel trying to challenge Qualcomm and MediaTek, I think, made a lot more ground up on the 5G space they did in 4G. 6G is a new opportunity for new entrants and maybe even old ones to reinvigorate their strategies and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I try to be selective on the 6G topic with our podcast, but... I do think that there's some there's some learnings that can occur from this forward kind of thinking, investigation, mentality that could benefit things like 5G advanced and that sort of thing. So I just, I thought it was an interesting angle on the AI machine learning and the awareness and learning capability of potentially future networks. But with that, let's go to your third and final topic. And it's been a big weekend, Super Bowl last weekend. I'm in Kansas City, still here, still rooting, rooting the Chiefs win, but you want to crazy? About, yeah, it's been crazy. The parade was this week. We didn't go down to it, but we watched it in the comfort of our home. Over 100,000 people were downtown for the Chiefs Kingdom. But, but you want to talk about two activation and their AT&T activations, right? One's tied to so, the Super Bowl and another's tied to um, yeah, another I, one. I want to talk about the Super Bowl first, even though I listed it second. Yeah. And then talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend Super Bowl. Lots of data has come out about that now. Verizon claims that their customers made up 60% of the Super Bowl's attendees, which is an interesting demographic because Super Bowl tickets are not cheap. And then I'm jumping between articles because I've got a Verizon publish here. I've got a light reading article. I've got an RCR article. So I'm going to be all over the place a little bit here, but I'm going to try to be quick and efficient with my use of time. Uh, It says Verizon users use 47.8 terabytes of data while AT&T users use 21 terabytes. And if you extrapolate that data, you can do some math about how many AT&T people there were, how many Verizon people there were, and how many T-Mobile people there were in the stadium. I'm not gonna do that. Now, (laughs) AT&T says its customers use 21 terabytes of data compared to 13 terabytes last year and 10 terabytes during the 2020 game, which is, and nearly half of that usage, nine terabytes occurred during pre-game activities which I find very interesting because people are just probably bored and trying to consume their time and doing yeah. stuff, all the all of the many hours of pregame stuff and activations that occur at the game. And then they said that AT&T had also shared that 5G data usage was up 81% compared to last game. Verizon said that their game, that yesterday's game represents a 57% increase from last year's Super Bowl and that peak download speeds hit 4.2 gigabits per second and uploads 300 megabits per second. Verizon says that they invested $100 million in network upgrades and enhancements around the State Farm Stadium yeah. in the greater Phoenix area. I read um, that. That's pretty significant. Yeah. And that's just not like 
cults and cows and that sort of thing, right? Yes, AT&T did deploy a lot of cults and cows, but they said that they also deployed more than 2,000 wireless network antennas inside the stadium and 12 miles of fiber and power cables, as well as more than 60 small cells outside the stadium, supported by 15 miles of fiber. And then they also did some deployments of band 14 for public safety. Let's see, what else do I have here? CBRS and millimeter wave were also deployed. T-Mobile deployed 140 megahertz of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum at the stadium. And they, their story was actually that they're not doing any kind of special deployments, but rather that they're just upgrading the whole Phoenix area as a whole, as a component yeah. of what their strategy was. Cisco also did a lot of upgrades to their DAS systems and upgraded things to Wi-Fi 6, which is a big deal because that adds security and capacity. And then there's just all kinds of stuff. And then on top of that, so in addition to the Super Bowl, there was another AT&T activation that's occurring, I believe, later in the month, which is the NBA All-Star game. And AT&T seems like they're like the official partner here. So they're doing a slam dunk contest. They're doing a concert. They're going to deploy 1,600 wireless network improvements across the area of Salt Lake City, increasing C-band, millimeter wave, and band 14 spectrum. It starts on the 17th, which is actually tomorrow, which was probably when a lot of people are going to listen to this. And there will be some, I think where I found it was, there was a the slam dunk contest, which was Shaquille O'Neal. I'm probably going to watch that. I'm not going to. And then there's also the concert lens. So you can watch the Kid Leroy perform live and then there will be a remix later on that you can also watch there's all kinds of stuff going on that's AT&T related it seems like they're a very big sponsor here yeah and there's an above the rim cam presented by AT&T 5G which they already had in previous years which I have actually seen and what else yeah that's kind of it but yeah. lots of stuff going on big sports 5G is a big component of that and I don't think that's going to stop content and video are always easy low hanging fruit for these carriers I'd say it's a layup, right? <laughs> but I, I got to give it to you. I got to give it to but, you. But I'll tell you, e is really front and center, really driving the whole 5G mantra home. Like they sponsor the Red River shootout between Texas and OU, Texas, my alma mater. Last year when I attended the Final Four, AT&T was a sponsor there, 5G all over the place. And I really think, and you really focus on this, you focus on mixed reality, AR, VR, and that sort of thing. And these are really cool activations with video and 5G. And it really... It drives home the power um, of 5G and what it can do, especially in those video intensive applications. But it's been another great podcast. We got two in this week. Before we sign off, though, we just want to tell our listeners and viewers, next week will be a preview of Mobile World Congress. So Anshul and I will be coming with sort of our expectations, what we think is going to be going on. And we're also, while we are there the following week, we are going to try to do some video at their up. And we may even try to pull in our chief analyst, Patrick Moorhead, to join us for some of that. But with that, why don't you take us home? Absolutely. I'm very excited about MWC. It's usually one of our biggest shows of the year, and it's a big deal for 5G in general. So I'm very excited about that. And hopefully we'll talk about it more next week and the week after, just because there's just so much news that comes out during that week. One podcast wouldn't do it justice. So we hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights for a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week, and don't forget to rate and subscribe.